Hello, and welcome to Your Future at McGill podcast. And hello specifically to our future engineers out there. Today's episode includes a conversation I had with two representatives from the Engineering Career Center, the ECC for short. We know how important it is for our future students to find work experience and to connect with companies both locally and abroad. And this episode highlights the many opportunities that are available to our engineering students, both before and after they graduate. Come and learn about the amazing events, helpful workshops, and more that are available through the ECC. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Your Future at McGill podcast. I am Nick, your host, and with me, I have two guests today, and we're going to talk about something that I get asked a lot as a recruiter, and that's jobs, that's about internships, the opportunities for you outside of the classroom. I know it's important for you, and so I've made sure to invite two very special guests to talk about that in a very specific field today in engineering. So I will let my two guests introduce themselves. Thanks, Nick. My name is Lorraine, and I'm a skills development advisor in the Faculty of Engineering. So what this means is I advise and I coach students on all sorts of topics related to internships, co-ops, uh, post-graduation jobs, and everything that you need to get ready before, in the middle, and after. Um, I also focus on supporting, promoting, and creating activities and opportunities that help develop uh, leadership skills. So I will create some awards when we have some donor funding, or I will launch special uh, learning events with guest speakers. That's my role in a nutshell. Awesome. Ben? And, and Benjamin? Yeah. So uh, Nick, uh, first off, thanks, uh, thanks so much for having us here today. My name is Benjamin Isaac. I am the manager of the engineering internship program at uh, the Engineering Career Center at the Faculty of Engineering. Um, the role and responsibility is essentially I oversee the internship program. So any uh, degree programs that are not co-op programs, um, when students are interested in doing internships, it goes through the engineering internship program. And I oversee the approval of the internships to ensure that they're recognized, that they meet certain criteria, um, providing advice and uh, internship advice for the students that are seeking that type of uh, outlet, um, presenting uh, topics on internships through our workshops and uh, dealing with uh, our external employees our employers and uh, industry partners uh, when they want to learn more about how they can recruit and hire students uh, from McGill to fulfill their recruitment needs. So thanks again for the two of you for joining us. I found you both through the ECC, so the Engine, uh, the Engineering Career Center uh, website, uh, which is part of the MESC, uh, so the McGill Engineering Student Center, I believe is the right, uh, yeah. Uh, um, you don't have to go too much into detail about this, but I was curious. So you were two representatives on the ECC team um, and you, you, you explored what both your responsibilities are and already it's like, that's so much, that's so helpful for our students. What are some of the other positions or your colleagues, like what do they do in terms of helping students with internships and other things regarding the uh, ACC team? I'll give that a go. We're a pretty small team. We serve about 3,000, 3,400 students and between the, the six of us, um, I think our main goal is, is just to provide our students with opportunities to learn about different career paths and to gain whatever experience it is they need to get ready for that chosen career. Career is a huge word, but it could be your first internship, your first summer job, your first uh, post-graduation role. 
So within the team, we have a few people who do a lot of business development with, uh, with different industries. So meeting with uh, employers to uh, present to them, our students, uh, to, to make links for, for job opportunities, whether that be internships, co-ops, or, or new grad roles, to invite them to campus to get involved, right? Uh, to have them take part in networking activities or mentorship opportunities. And we'll link them even to student groups. A lot of our students in engineering are very, very active and are often putting on industry-related events. So we'll help students connect with employers too. So everyone on the team does a little bit of all of that. We do so much. Ben, do you have anything to, to add to that? Uh, I was gonna, yeah, I was gonna say, you know, um, the, the, the team exists uh, for the sole purpose of ultimately fulfilling what the vast majority of students are at McGill for. They want to become engineers and we're there to help them bridge that gap from the completion of their studies to that full-time career. Um, so as Lorraine was saying, you know, yes, we, we, we do focus on whether it's their first internship, whether it's their first co-op, uh, but it gets a bit more uh, granular than that. It, it could be your very first CV. So we, it, it gets to that point. So our, our role is there to sort of help uh, give sort of guidance in that sense, give a bit more direction based on what uh, each individual student that comes to see us is interested in doing. So uh, the services are varied and we do have a small team, but um, I will say it's a very, uh, it's a very talented team. And uh, like Lorraine was saying, um, you know, business development is definitely something that uh, we're fairly active with, um, with the entire team. However, and this is something that uh, students at McGill should be very proud of uh, right off the bat. Um, the fact that this is McGill also is a huge advantage. You know, you got into engineering at McGill. It's not, uh, it's not just like walking into the park. It's hard to get into this particular program. Employers know that. So they work extra hard to try and make sure they can make an on-campus presence. And that's why they want to interact. That's why they want to get involved with sponsorship. That's why they want to get involved with the different teams, with the different student associations. So in that sense, students at Engineering at McGill have um, that competitive edge, um, I would say, definitely over other students from other institutions. Not to take anything away from other institutions, but it's, it is a reality. And it's a, it's, a, it's a reality that I think we're all very proud of. Um, so definitely the services exist from... Uh, you know, looking at your CV, helping you sort of build that framework, um, definitely going to how to write a cover letter, um, how to perform well in an interview, um, huh. how to uh, how to negotiate when you get that first job offer. Like uh, a lot of students can be very nervous and not want to ask any of those tough questions. We'll help you formulate those questions so you can convey what you want and it won't sound or feel as tough <laughs> as, as, as you think it will be. Um, it, it even goes down to um, helping you network effect effectively. Um, networking has become such a huge component in the uh, job search uh, process. And so we do have special uh, developments and topics where we talk about that um, and, and help students sort of get used to that as well. So um, there is, a, like I said, there's a variety of things that we do. And uh, it's available to all the engineering students at uh, McGill, all the undergraduate students uh, at McGill. 
um, engineering students, I should say. So uh, it's definitely something that we encourage them to take advantage of as much as possible. I definitely felt uh, my colleagues in the recruitment team uh, maybe taking notes of some of the things you just mentioned, some great lines there, because uh, we do get the questions too about comparisons to other schools, especially for engineering programs. Um, we, we do get that a lot, especially in the Quebec area. Uh, so these are big things, big topics. So definitely an, a nice approach to that, a nice smooth approach to uh, how is McGill different compared to a few other schools. Um, you already talked about a few of these helpful workshops from the, from the right beginning, you know, writing a CV, doing the interview and those things as well. I was curious, are there other workshops or activities that take place that current students can really get in on? And like whether it's helping with a job or helping with absolutely anything, what are some of the big ones that you really encourage students to participate or even ones that you're really proud of um, that take place through the ECC? I think I'm proud of everything we, we do. Uh, <laughs> we just do so much. Um, if we think about uh, workshops, some things that have been really fun is um, we have a standard series of workshops, right? How to write a CV, how to network, how to prepare for career fairs. You know, Ben touched on all of this. But sometimes we may have a student group who reaches out to ask for something a little bit more tailored for the student body, right? Because, you know, a software engineering student might have different uh, needs for their CV as opposed to perhaps a student in civil or a student who's interested to go into consulting. So. We might uh, work a little extra hard and, and tailor our workshops for, for these needs. Uh, last year, I got to participate in CV roasts. Uh, we, we put up this workshop. It was a quick uh, CV 101 crash course and all the participants submitted their CVs ahead of time and we redacted all the personal information. We broke into groups and we peer reviewed everyone else's CV after having been coached on what a great, you know, software or technical CV would look like. And this gave the students to, to learn a little bit and then apply that knowledge right away. And Seems so scary. <laughs> Just... well, we had some ground rules, right? You know, if you were going to provide feedback, it had to be constructive. Um, and just the fact that everything was redacted made it a little bit safer, I suppose. Um, so I'm proud when we get to, to really tailor um, our services to the needs, you know? What is everyone else doing? It's, it's almost a secretive and scary, you know? Is my CV up to par? Does it look like everyone else's? No, probably not, but we wanna make sure that everyone's conveying the best version of themselves, so. We've done stuff like that. The Career Center also hosts tech talks. Um, there was a time when we used to go and tour facilities. I'm sure this will happen again soon, but because of the partnerships, because of the business development that we do, we've been able to visit uh, Google just down the street, you know, once or twice a year, or the civil students got to tour the Jacques Cartier and Champlain bridges when they were installing the, um, the lights. The both bridges light up now, so. Uh, Maybe slightly infamous lights, but still very cool experience. <laughs> there is what was cool about it. Yes, there's maybe controversy about having done this, but it was the merging of art and engineering and having folks from these two different worlds come together and, and create this and, and the students got to take a look. I was, actually, I was actually curious about the networking part 
So one thing we know, engineers work in every field. So I was curious, like in the networking, is there branching out where like you go to like the management type jobs or the arts types of jobs where they need engineers to get those jobs done? Is that part of the networking as well? Yes. Uh, when, when we work with our students, we coach them and offer them opportunities that are definitely a little bit more engineering focused. Um, but once you have the tools, uh, you transfer those tools, you transfer those skills and you can effectively, you can network anywhere after that. So we do things with students, we'll do speed networking events, one-on-one -on -one more personal events. Mind you, everything is, is virtual at the moment, but um, typically uh, maybe with younger years, we'll focus more on, um, on their fields respectively, you know, just to, to I don't wanna say keep it easier, but more familiar. But then as they get more senior, you know, they usually feel more comfortable networking everywhere with anyone. Nice. This is just one of those, I, I kind of go on the ledge and I'll say like engineering is probably the most transferable degree in terms of like the skills that you acquire in an engineering degree. Um, when I talk to other students, like you don't need to become an engineer after being an engineer and an engineering student, because like your skills are so helpful uh, and so easily uh, transferable to other fields and domains. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Nick, that's, that's a very accurate statement, you know, and you see that, uh, you see that with the different companies that do post opportunities uh, that may not always be directly related to engineering, but uh, that that framework, that um, that ability, those skills that you acquire as an engineer, it's something like you said that is definitely transferable to other types of roles, uh, and it's a very sought after skill set at the end of the day. And you know, you'll have uh, you'll have companies that may have usually only um, recruited from one specific cohort They're, you know, they, they recognize what those skills can mean for them. So they've transitioned to a certain extent and, you know, they're expecting engineering students to fulfill those roles and to enhance uh, those roles, you know? And so um, that's definitely something that we see, I think I would say on a regular basis. Um, just going back to what you were asking about the different workshops, as Lorraine was saying, we, uh, we, we do tailor it. Uh, the networking aspect uh, it's it's definitely something that um, I think sends chills down the spines of <laughs> a lot of students when they first hear that word. Uh, and so one of the one of the workshops that uh, that we that we put together right off the bat was one called Hello I'm Networking, um, and it was essentially just a very introductory um, setting to the concept of of networking. Uh, and uh, I, when I was heading that, uh, that, that workshop, the idea was that we were not going to talk about anything to do with engineering. We we're just going to talk. And uh, the subjects, the question, I just pop questions up on, on, on the wall, on the projector, and students have to move around the, the room and, and discuss those things. And a lot of the times it's very, it's very random topics, things about food, movies, uh, you know, uh, characters and whatnot. But you see as the workshop goes on, the ice begins to crack and there's a certain degree of openness that 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 sort of takes over the room uh, once the workshop is done a lot of the times i have to end up like kicking the students out of the room because they won't stop talking to each other <laughs> so it, it it sort of opens that up to say look the idea is not um the whole objective was to to, to tell students that the idea is not, not for you to go in and 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 have to sell yourself uh, to a particular employer, the idea for networking is for you to go and have a conversation where you suddenly realize you do 
uh, like the same things, you're interested in the same things, and you can carry a conversation based on that, which then builds uh, into that professional rapport. So um, definitely, those are things that we, we kind of tailor as the needs arise. And that's something that we want students to come and see us about. We want them to tell us, look, you know, this is something that me and other students are, are a little bit concerned about. Is there something that you guys offer that can address this? And we will definitely try to address it as much as we can. So uh, we, we encourage students to come and see us for that, for sure. Not Don't just come and see us for your CV. Come and see us for other, <laughs> other things as well. Many services are being offered. That's great. So one big event that I saw, um, and I think the, big, the two big days that just ended yesterday, you're both here, you're both alive. So even though it must have been a very tiring time, I appreciate that you're still here with us. Um, the tech fair. Um, let's, let's talk about that. How does that, what does that look like for students? Um, is this like, do students need to participate in it or is it just something like strongly encouraged? Let, let's just talk about it. Uh, so tech fair, uh, it's, it's changed quite a bit over the last year and a half to two years. Um, when I first joined ECC, the event was taking place in person. It was taking place at new residence hall. Um, it was the biggest event with the most students that I had ever seen since work, since starting my work at McGill and uh, looking at at the numbers of the time it, it that's exactly what it was tech fair is the largest on-campus recruiting event at McGill University and it specifically targets engineering and science students and so uh, back when we were doing it in person we would have on average it was two days in the fall two days in the winter on average we would have uh, 60 companies that would send their uh, recruitment teams and a whole bunch of swag and other things to show off to the students to try and coerce them into applying <laughs> for internships. And the student traffic was incredible as well. You know, you're looking at on average uh, at least a thousand students that are passing through per day. You know, so it's it's a very very big event. And like I said, over the past year and a half, two years, due to uh, the, the the pandemic and in trying to find other options, we have transitioned that to uh, a virtual platform now. So it's a virtual event. The event that just passed uh, the past two days uh, was on that virtual platform as well. So the idea of tech fair, um, and you know, this is something that I used to say when I used to give the tech fair tips workshops is um, students should not have it in their mind that you know. I'm going to tech fair to get a job or I'm going to tech fair to get an internship. That's, it's not the point. If, uh, if, if you're going there with that in your mind, I would tell students you've already, you know, you've already like cut, cut your opportunities short at that point, right off the bat, you need to have an open mind. And when you're going into tech fair, the idea is you're going in there to make connections. You're going in there to uh, meet people from different, uh, companies with different sectors in the industry, and you're going there to build your professional network. So as a student, your responsibility is to understand who's going to be there, to do research on the companies that you yourself are interested in. And, you know, you got to, you know, you got to shortlist them, right? Because ultimately, you're not going to have a chance to, to talk to everybody. Uh, so you need to make your short, who's, who are my top fives? Who are my second top fives? Who are my third top fives because ultimately again you got to keep in mind that your top five is probably everybody else's top five so if if you're at the event if you're if you're participating you don't want to be waiting in line you don't want to be 
you don't want to be like just standing around waiting for an opportunity to talk to somebody. You should be talking to everybody else and taking advantage of the time that you're participating there. And so uh, the idea is for students to go in, meet the different representatives at those companies and understand what it is that they're looking for and how it is what your profile as a potential candidate could potentially mean to them. Like how can your candidature fulfill their recruiting needs? So a lot of the times companies will have opportunities that are that are readily available. They're posting them on my future. They they are actively recruiting. But a lot of the times other companies are just showing up because they want to remind students that they exist. Uh, like I said, recruiting from McGill is a big deal for the vast majority of the company. So they want to make sure that they're not forgotten. You know, even if they don't have opportunities, they want to show students like, hey, look, you know, we're here. We might not have jobs right now, but we will for sure. And we'd love to fill them with McGill students. So um, the idea is for students to go build those connections, build that professional network. And so when opportunities do post or do come up, they do have people to reach out to. They do have somebody that will remember them from the event and will help push that application forward. I have so many follow-ups, but maybe just a quick <laughs> one, just a quick one, just because I'm curious. And we know that we have a strong international population. We have a strong Canadian population of students outside of Quebec. Uh, the companies that are here or even the positions, generally speaking, and this will come up, I think, later on as well. Um, are they all Quebec-oriented positions or are there positions where they're saying, hey, we have a firm in Quebec, but, you know, there are opportunities outside of Quebec as well? We have uh, folks that come from all over Canada. Actually, when um, when Tech Fair was in per person, uh, folks are flying in from Ottawa and Toronto. Virtual Tech Fair has opened the platform up to virtually anyone who wants to attend. So yes, there is the vast majority of companies coming in from Quebec, but many people have offices elsewhere as well, right? Uh, so we have some of the larger tech companies coming in who are hiring for students, you know, kind of all over Canada, even in the US. Um, we have small firms that may just have one little office in, in Montreal. It's um, mostly North America, but they'll hire, we have people coming in from all over the place. A lot of Ottawa, a lot of Toronto, Montreal, uh, Vancouver, New York, California. Uh, and I'll, I will have a few questions about that too when we talk about a few of the other programs, but I appreciate uh, the insight there. Um, another service I wanna talk about, and both of you have already talked about the postgraduate assistance that, that is offered or getting that postgraduate job, for example, that first one. Um, so when we're talking to prospective students who haven't even stepped foot on McGill, one thing we talk about is you are joining the McGill community when you are admitted. And that doesn't just mean the time that you are a student, it means forever after. Uh, and so I saw that there is the ECC alumni service. So I was just sort of curious, how does that uh, assist, you know, our, our engineering grads uh, throughout their career after they graduate? Uh, what we offer is, uh, is maybe quite unique because for students who graduate from our faculty, um, they are part of our community forever afterwards. Meaning, um, if you would like to meet with a career advisor one, three, five, ten years down the road, you can book an appointment with us. Um, typically, in, in universities, you may have an alumni service that may last one or two or three years, but uh, we're here for you all the way. You will always have access to our career fairs, our workshops, the advisors, if you'd like to even attend a tech talk, you could. Um, so I think that's a really cool and big plus. 
that you, you will always have support if you need it, and a community to be a part of. So a lot of our alumni have taken advantage of that, and they've also um, given some time back as well. They'll come back to mentor or share an experience to network as well. So it's the relationship continues, and then it kind of becomes uh, maybe more two-way because they're able to give back to, to the, the younger students who are starting their careers. Basically, I've already, you know, I think most of us can already be jealous of engineering students, but that probably adds an extra layer to that. That sounds awesome, especially in an industry where I think things move so fast and opportunities come up, you know, new opportunities come up all the time. So to actually have somebody that you can reach out to and talk about these things, that sounds amazing. Uh, definitely a cool opportunity for our students. I'm just going to put on my recruitment hat for a second just to talk about the co-op versus non-co-op program. So this is the key discussion about internships and work experience that is available to students. So we get this question from students all the time. Um, where are your co-ops? You know, what are the co-op programs? So just to put it on the record, the three co-op programs, the only ones that exist at McGill are in the Faculty of Engineering, Software Engineering, Mining Engineering, and Materials Engineering. Those are the three. What does it mean to be a co-op program? First things first. If you're looking for that first experience, okay, you're, you're that student, you're looking for that first job, you may be applying to a co-op position. You may be applying to an internship position, or maybe in the context of Quebec, it might even be a stash, right? Within industry, these three words are interchangeable. It sort of means that it's a fixed period of work related to your degree, and that your university recognizes this work in some way. So co-op, stage, internship, same but different. Now at McGill, in the Faculty of Engineering, a co-op program is mandatory. So in software and mining and materials, you are in a co-op program, you must complete a certain number of internships or co-ops. For all of the other programs, so civil, math, electrical, comp, chem, I'm sure I'm missing one. Uh, these students can take part in non-mandatory internships that will also be recognized. I think that's the easiest way to, to distinguish between the two. So all of our students in engineering can benefit from uh, paid relevant work experience that is recognized not only on their transcript, but then you know recognized by industry once they're out of school. It just might be the internship program or it might be a co-op program. Co-op being mandatory, internship being a la carte. Uh, for those three co-op programs then, um, like what are some of the key things that students should know? Like, so these are mandatory, as you mentioned, they are sort of built into the degree. I know that if you're on the engineering website and their program pages, it kind of tells, there's some slight encouragement of like when you should be taking your co-op sessions, the co-op periods. Um, but are they just, like, is a student just sitting in an engineering class one day and someone says, hey, here's your job? Like, what, what, what process is there? What do they have to do to uh, go through those co-op programs? All three co-op programs have their own dedicated, uh, they might have a different name, but, you know, a co-op advisor or a program advisor that will help guide the student, especially in the earlier stages, to, to help them get prepared for that first co-op. So no, no one will just 
reach into their back pocket and hand you a job. You know, and this doesn't happen for co-op, for internship. It kind of doesn't happen in life, right? Um, but we have advisors that will, will help guide the co-op students because it must be done at a certain point in your degree, you know, maybe in your third or your fifth semester. So, so they'll work with the students to, you know, teach them how to get that CV up to par, to, to work on interview skills, to introduce them to industry professionals, right? So, so yeah. I was just, so, so through the application process is it's, it's one of those job boards, right? Like, so students, like these, the opportunities that exist as McGill say, through one of our job boards, like my future, for example, does it say here are internship opportunities for our software engineering or mining or materials engineering students go through the application process as you typically would for any other student? Exactly. We have my future. This is the, the job board that, that we use at McGill for all our students. It is not the only resource available to our students. Uh, we do encourage people to, to network and look elsewhere. Uh, some companies don't necessarily feel the need to have to announce their 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 jobs. You know, can I mention them here? You know, maybe sure. Tesla doesn't post their internship. Everyone knows where to find a Tesla internship. You go on the website. But, you know, McGill has fantastic resources and students can apply to those jobs directly. And other than that, I mean, there's, you know, LinkedIn and, and company sites. So, like I said, the advisors will, will help you navigate all of that, teach you and coach you. You know, where do, I, where do I go apply? How does it work? How do I even use my future? Where is my future? Um, they're open to, you know, some jobs may be only open to material students or only mining students. Some jobs are open to more majors depending on, on what's needed, right? Electrical, computer, and software students often have a lot of where job opportunities available to them yeah uh, unless there was something else to add specifically with those co-op programs let's we can transition a little over to the non-co-op programs which do outnumber uh the co-op programs um and have a lot of students in those what's the process for them so that i think is as you mentioned lorraine the internship so not the co-op term but the internship term um how does it defer can they get a lot of work experience let's just Basically, the, the point of this question is we get students who look at other universities who have co-op programs for those types of engineering programs, like electrical, mechanical, civil. At McGill, we don't have that. But are you losing something by coming to McGill in those areas? Absolutely not. And I'm going to let Ben take that away. So, um, yes, I will, uh, ref I will bounce what Lorraine just said right back to you, Nick. And no, you absolutely do not lose those opportunities by coming to McGill to do your degree in engineering. So uh, as you mentioned, yeah, we have the co-op programs that are there, materials mining and now software. Um, for all the other uh, engineering degree programs, yes, they're not considered co-op programs. However, students within those programs and the faculty have over the years definitely understood the need, uh, the necessity of uh, industry experience in order for students to be able to go out and gain um, those opportunities that they're looking for post-graduation. And that's why the engineering internship program exists. So the primary difference between the engineering internship program and a standardized co-op program is that you do not need to do 
an internship in order to fulfill your graduation requirements as you would in a co-op program. So a student in a non-co-op program can actually go through their entire degree program not doing any internships whatsoever. They can blast through their entire curriculum and finish early and then start looking for jobs. Um, from what we gather from students and from industry is that the best way to go about it? In my opinion, no, because the vast majority of, majority of employers want you to have some sort of experience so that they have something to measure against if they consider you for a particular position. So what the engineering internship program basically enables you to do is not just graduate with an engineering degree, but to graduate with a degree and with relevant industry experience, which gives you ultimately that competitive edge over other applicants who may not have any industry experience. So there are certain criteria that goes into play with regards to the internships that are considered part of the internship program. Um, those uh, those are basically have they have to do with the duration, whether the internship is paid, whether it's a full time internship, whether it's related to your program major. Um, and the reason that we ask for all those things is through this official recognition of the internship program, that internship is actually added as a course as a zero credit course directly onto your student transcript. So it shows up as an industrial practicum course on your transcript and once the student has completed up to eight months worth of recognized internship experience through the program, the title of their program on their transcript actually changes. So um, let's just say we, we're talking about somebody in mechanical engineering. Instead of it just saying bachelors of engineering, mechanical engineering, after eight months worth of recognized internship experience, it changes to bachelors of engineering, mechanical engineering internship program. So anybody who requires the student to submit a transcript, anybody who um, asks for a transcript or, or, or takes a look at it in a, in a, in a, for another internship or for a full-time uh, position thereafter, uh, or even uh, you know when the student goes towards being part of a professional order, um, they see right off the bat that this student participated in a program that was officially recognized by McGill University. And so by that, it met certain criteria and it is legit, <laughs> for lack of a better term. So we strongly urge students, yes, it's not it's not mandatory, but it will help you in the long run and in, in the short term as well. You know, um, we, we see that it, it assists students when, with regards to every other internship that they do because it gives employers an opportunity to see that this student has actually, rec has actually accumulated experience that they can also um, consider useful and that also holds benefits for them as well. So uh, it's, that's the core difference between co-ops and the engineering internship program. Just to quickly confirm for the eight month uh, rule, um, does it have to be eight consecutive months or can that be divided say two sessions of four months? No, it does not have to be consecutive. It's, it just needs to add up to a total of eight months. And as long as it does that, the designation will automatically appear on your transcript. So you'll be good to go. You don't have to limit yourself to eight months. Once you get that designation, it doesn't mean you're 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 done. Like you you can keep going. You get you can do as many internships as you want as long as you fulfill the requirements and the eligibility criteria of the the program. Perfect. Now the reason why I asked was because I know, you know we have some familiarity with ISS or so International Student Services and how long they have to be a student uh, for visa reasons and stu and study permit reasons. I was curious if you have any feedback for that, like is, are those types of situations like eight month long positions or, you know, 
something that's maybe just not just the summer. Is that possible for international students who also need to who want to work and be a student at the same time? Yes. So look, I'm I'm going to dispel some really popular myths or one really popular myth. Uh, the rules with regards to the programs and how things happen here at the university within the engineering program itself for international students and for I would say domestic students we'll, we'll use that term okay the rules are, are are the same the only difference for international students is that as part of the government requirements they are required to obtain a co-op work permit in order to participate in internships and again the reason that there's a difference for that as well is because if it's a student, if the, if it's a student that's going into a co-op program that has been admitted to a co-op program, upon entry with their study permit, there will be a co-op work permit attached because it's already considered part of that program. They need to work in order to graduate. Um, for students that are in non-co-op programs, they're just getting their study permit, and so when they do find an internship and they report it to the Engineering Career Center, we will help them with the process of obtaining that co-op work permit so that they can actually go and participate in that internship for that duration of, the, uh, of, of that particular internship that they were able to acquire. So that would be the only uh, difference. That's the only stark difference between an international student and a, uh, and a, and a domestic student in that sense. So uh, definitely one of, the, one of the things that I would uh, strongly advise to any international students that are interested in seeking internships is number one, make sure that you reach out to the International Student Services Office um, they are the most knowledgeable people with regards to anything to do with your current status at McGill as an international student. Anybody else who's giving you advice, that's nice, that's fantastic, it was very courteous gesture, just go and see International Student Services anyway, because there's always different scenarios. It, it's everything. It's not always um, a blanket situation for everybody. It, it sometimes it does go by case by case. So the, uh, the our colleagues at International Student Services are very well versed in that, and they can provide the best advice so that you're not facing any other unexpected hurdles because um, you know you got the information from somebody else or another colleague or another peer or something like that. Go to see them, and they will assist you. Um, Another thing that I want to tell them is uh, be sure to come and see us at the Engineering Career Center when you do find an internship um, so that we can start the process for you right away. There's always, um, with all things related to government, there's usually an attached delay with regards to processing. And so sometimes there are processing delays for students to be able to get a co-op work permit. So what we ask is that they come and see us as soon as possible so we can look at it. I can look at the the offer itself to make sure that it does meet the criteria. If it does, I will immediately commence the process to help them apply for their co-op work permit so they can try and get it in time for their actual internship to start. So just to repeat those two things, get professional advice from professionals and do things in a timely manner. Definitely uh, two points. If any, if, if all you remember are those two things, that's probably enough uh, for, uh, for, uh, for yourself. Um, we talked about where these industries, where these companies are representing, especially virtually, you know, the doors are a bit more open. So I'm going to focus, I'm going to narrow it down to Quebec opportunities. So positions within Montreal, within Quebec. Uh, again, we get students who talk about or are, are maybe scared about not knowing French, 
maybe not having that in their back pocket, not being able to, not being bilingual English and French, what, what are the types of opportunities for them? Do companies sort of ignore this when it comes to them being a student? What kind of flexibility is there? How does it work for our non-French speakers? When folks are coming to recruit at McGill, um, I think they're pretty aware that English is the primary language of instruction. And if it's not uh, everyone's primary language in terms of students, it's up there. So the employers that are coming are, are fully aware about this. Um, generally, our students, our English-speaking Anglophone students don't have a tough time finding work or internship in Montreal or in Quebec, like, really not at all. But that being said, it is oh, a, a French a Francophone province. It's really nice to at least have the willingness to learn, at least have the willingness to try. And in a lot of work spaces, that goes a really, really long way. So I, I do tell students, you know, who come and see me, uh, look, you're not going to be able to learn French in, in four weeks, right, before you get that job. So don't worry too much about that. You know, focus on your, your skill set. There are so many variables when, when you're looking for jobs. Um, it might depend on what team you're on, right? Some teams may operate exclusively in English or in Anglais. Um, some teams might be very Francophone, you know. It, it's, it really depends. It's, it's, it's flexible. It's dynamic. So... For folks who don't have French in their toolkit, you start watching some TV shows, you know, uh, it's true, comics, something, just to be a little familiar with the language, because it's nice to be able to say, hello, can I buy you a coffee, or, or you know, nice to meet you, but don't worry about it too much. There are tons of opportunities, tons, in Montreal and Quebec, you know, maybe if you go further um, en région, maybe French might be more required. But then again, we have students going out to mines, you know, in, in Northern Quebec, uh, a lot of international students going to do co-ops out there. Not many of them have French and they're finding work. Definitely reassuring. I definitely appreciate that. I'm sure those students do as well. You're on your phones anyway, grab Duolingo. French is on there. It's not a bad way to just pick up a few words, few sentences. Yeah, no, that's that's just it. And like, uh, you know, like Lorraine was saying, it, it, sometimes it comes down to teams. Sometimes it comes down to the role that you're doing. Um, sometimes it, it maybe depending on the role, if you're client facing, which clients are you facing? Maybe the clients that are uh, that are on that particular project are in the U.S. or, you know, uh, or, or in Toronto. And so there are different uh, factors that the employers look for, and you know they can make those decisions as such. Ultimately, um, you know what I what I always try to tell students is, uh, you know, you might not know how to speak French fluently, and a lot of the times employers aren't necessarily expecting you to speak that fluently. But to a certain extent, what they will expect to a certain uh, to a certain extent is just a, a basic level of comprehension. And that I think has a lot to do with just the um, the professional uh, ambiance style here in 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 Quebec in Montreal. Uh, when you go and you're sitting in on a meeting, you'll have some people that are speaking in French about certain things, but the response they're getting from their colleagues is in English. You know, and so you see that bounce back and forth. And um, ultimately, I think that's that's all that the employers are, are are really expecting. That if somebody does say something to you, at least you know you understand to a certain extent. And I I, I always just try to encourage the students and say, look, you know, um, 
don't be afraid of it. Um, when you're when you're going out on these internships, uh, you know, the idea is you're going on an internship not because you're a genius at doing everything that the company is expecting you to do. They're there to teach you how to do those things at the same time. It's a learning experience. You're going to be developing a whole bunch of skills, whether they're technical skills or soft skills. If you let it happen, learning French can also fall into that category. You'll pick things up as you go. And, you know, at the end of the day, if it gets to that point where you're learning it at a comprehensive level, well, that's just another thing you can add on your CV. Okay, so um, it's definitely something that you should take advantage of. Speaking more than one language is definitely going to carry more weight and, and help you uh, in the future as well. You'd more great advice. I love it. Uh, so a tough question we get, and I'm sorry to ask it of you, is this is more specifically for the engineering internship program is the competitiveness aspect. And I think, Benjamin, you kind of hinted at, all, at, at this already when you indicated that students should have maybe a three-tiered system, like their top five, then their second top five, then their third top five. If students are more open and not just looking at Google, Amazon, and Tesla, for example, Will students still find internship opportunities or is it possible that like they just never do it? They just keep losing out through CV, through interviews and things like that. Like, is it possible that students like, is it possible that someone goes through, tries super hard and doesn't get anything throughout their time at McGill? So it's, it all comes down to your, your ultimate job search strategy. Right. And that's why we tell students to come and see us. All right. Like I have students that will, you know, that will book appointments with me and, and, you know, that tell me like, Hey, Ben, over the summer, I applied to a hundred jobs and nobody got back to me. And my first question back um, is, did you use the same CV for all 100 jobs? And the answer 98% of the time is yes. So my response to that is what made you think that 100 different companies who had a hundred different jobs were all going to be satisfied with your one CV. It's a hundred different needs and you need to adjust and tailor the skills that you have to address those different needs. You know, so even that in itself is a strategy that the ECC team tries to instill in the students, at least in, in our, in our preliminary interactions with students to say, the strategy would be to come up with them to create a master CV. So you have this source document that you can then use and it's building up as you go through your time at McGill, you add projects, you add different skills that you learn. And when postings come up, you pick and choose from that source document and pop it into your CV and send it off. So yeah, you might be sending a hundred different versions of your CV to those hundred different jobs, but you're not rewriting your CV a hundred different times. You're just copy pasting. Right. And by that, you're making sure that you're only sending those specific relevant skills to that company so they can actually see what you're doing is actually directly related to what they're asking for. You're not sending them any fluff. You're not sending them stuff that they didn't ask for. It's very easy for them to make that decision. Yes, let's call this person or, you know, as opposed to, well, I lost interest after, you know, they told me what they did you know, back in high school when they were editor of the yearbook. It's not relevant to what we're asking for right now, you know? So uh, making sure that you come up with a strategy for that has its effects, just like everything else. So the competitive aspect, how difficult it is, is how you actually effectively use your time. So, uh, you know, you can, 
you can focus on different priorities and say, look, you know, I'm, I'm just going to do really, really well in my courses and I'm going to get that 4.0 grade point average and then that's it. And yes, there might be employers out there that all they care about is that 4.0 GPA that you've, you've come out with and they would consider that. Do they all do that? No. Do I know exactly which ones look for that? No, I have no idea. It's not written anywhere, but I do know that you know, the vast majority of them want students to be as all-encompassing as possible. They want to see that you have the ability to transfer those sought-after engineering skills to any given role, that you will be able to work in a team, that, you'll be, that you have good leadership skills, that you have that ability to communicate effectively, that you have that capacity to manage your time and to multitask. So all those things come with how active you are outside of the classroom as well. And one of the things um, that employers definitely come to McGill looking for is the fact that our curriculums in engineering are very experiential learning heavy. So they know that you're going to be doing stuff outside of class, and that's where they find the richness. So get involved with those design teams, get involved with those student associations, be involved outside of the classroom, do your personal projects, do highlight the uh, academic projects that you did in your class, put those on your on your CV as well. Okay, you know what you uh, you don't have very much experience in engineering as of yet, um, but the last time you actually held a job, you were a cashier at a, um, at a, at a at your local grocery store. Should I put that down? Yeah, you should put that down because there's transferable skills in that. If it's client facing, if you have to have a good sense of attention to detail, you have to work in a high stress environment. Those are all things that cashiers go through every day. Those are transferable. So um, definitely your strategy and how you, how you effectively convey the skills that you have will give you an advantage. Um, and looking at the different companies, top five, yeah, everybody's top five companies is everybody's top five companies, you know, but within those top five companies, just from a logistical standpoint, they might not have a hundred jobs that are open. Those top five companies combined might have six jobs that are available, you know? So when there's that many students vying for that, yeah, of course, the level of competition gets higher. What's gonna separate you? The skills that you've accumulated over time that you've accomplished with learning with design teams and all those soft skills that you've developed, that will sort of set you apart. Maybe other industry experience that you've gotten, industry, uh, sorry, internship experience that you've gotten, that'll sort of set you apart. But there are other companies out there that do exactly the same thing. They might not have um, as robust uh, a marketing company or a marketing machine or a PR machine as, as the Facebooks and Teslas uh, that are out there, but they effectively do the same thing. And you know, those big companies know who their competition is. They know th what that there are smaller companies out there that are doing the same things. And so those opportunities are just as relevant. Those opportunities are equivalent and will give you those skills. I always tell students, go for those smaller companies because you won't be pigeonholed into just doing one small thing. When it's a smaller company, the fact that they have an opportunity to have a McGill engineer <laughs> work with them sometimes is a huge plus for them. They're really happy about that. And your role will expand, you know? And so you see sometimes, um, and, and Lorraine can vouch for this. You see like, you know, companies, big companies will say, oh, you need to have, a, you need to have like a five years of experience doing this, this, and this. Where are you gonna get that experience when that company won't even give you that first opportunity potentially? You're getting that from other companies. You're getting that 
you're building those opportunities, building those skills up that will ultimately lead you to that dream company that you want to get. So ultimately, like I said, it's how you focus your energies throughout the years and how you strategize how you're going to build up to getting those dream jobs once you've graduated. It's just such, such emotion in that. I love it. Um, so we talked a lot about the engineering programs. There's one that uh, we haven't directly uh, connected to, and that's bioresource engineering. So for, uh, for those who do not know, McGill has multiple campuses. We have one at McDonald campus in uh, St. Anne de Bellevue, where there's an engineering program there called bioresource engineering. Do they have the same type of access to guidance? I know you said all engineering students can use the ECC. Does this apply to them? Is there something available at McDonald campus for them? Do they have to come downtown? Although things are still virtual most of the time. How does it work for students in that field? Bioresource students, I guess, have the best of both worlds a little bit because they do have access to our services on the downtown campus. So they can meet with us um, in person or virtually. So that's great. Uh, but there are also career and placement services advisors uh, from Central McGill available on the McDonald campus as well. So while us at the ECC, we, we tend to, to stay downtown, although occasionally a few times a year, I believe um, Benjamin and my, our colleague Julie go in and do events at MAC, um, there are some CAPS advisors. CAPS is what we call career placement services. Another, uh, <laughs> another one to add to your list there. So there are some folks from CAPS at MAC. Uh, in terms of internships, bioresource students do have access to an internship program. However, it is not managed by, by Benjamin at the Engineering Career Center. There is a, um, a bioresource engineering program over there. Um, and they can find their advisor in the, in the Office of Student Academic Services. So they have a dedicated internship advisor. They have access to ECC career advisors and CAPS career advisors. Um, so they have it pretty good. So if they are ever on the downtown campus, they can come on over and see us. Nice. Help all around. Now, I'm sure you, you talked about how... Um, certain jobs kind of overlap with electrical, computer, and software engineering. Uh, we get the question all the time, what's the difference between, say, computer engineering and software engineering? You don't have to dive deep into that because it, it probably requires a lot, but if you have a one-sentence or two-sentence way of maybe explaining it, because um, I, I find career-wise probably similar, like what jobs you can get, whether you have computer, whether you have software, but please correct me if I'm wrong, but the program itself, why should a student go into one over the other if they are comparing the two? Right. I, look, I don't think I could do it in one or two sentences, but I'll keep it short. Uh, so electrical, computer, and software are all within the same department to begin with. So that's something to note. There's different programs within the department. So uh, the students share certain core courses. So all electrical, computer, and, and software students do have a few similar courses. And then, you know, depending on the major, things branch out a little bit. But students have uh, technical complementaries at some point in their degree. These are usually the really interesting, more advanced courses, you know, level three and 400. Um, and students here can, can specialize or branch out. So, you know, an electrical student, this is their chance to maybe do something uh, more advanced in software or for a software student, maybe to, to take a look at electrical a little bit more. 
In terms of the difference between computer and software engineering, I think the, the really oversimplified difference is software, software, software. It's the programming, right? It's, it's the designing um, software systems and, and maintaining them. Whereas hardware, computer engineering is more the hardware side of things, right? When it comes to internships, the, the lines are blurred. We see computer engineering students going into software roles. Software students might take something a little bit more hardware. At this point, um, regardless of the program, students have a ton of choice, right? Because of their training, because of that basic training, they can go anywhere. And, you know, the employer doesn't only look at your academic skill set, right? Um, what do you do on the side? You know, you could be a student on the design team wiring race cars, right? And maybe you're a software student, but you can go into something a little bit more electrical. So, so there's a lot of versatility. It's really open. It's, you're not pigeonholed, you know, if, if you're a computer or a software engineer. My last engineering focused question, and it's uh, again, putting on that recruitment cap where, uh, and Benjamin talked about this before, it does, it's not just a walk in the park to get into one of our engineering programs. They're all quite, uh, you know, they can be quite competitive uh, grade wise. There are two that are maybe less so, but still definitely competitive. But it's usually because the number of applications we receive to these programs. So the two that I'm thinking about are mining and materials engineering. Again, not there's there's no oh welcome to one of these programs. That's not the case. You still have to demonstrate high skills. It's just the application numbers are slightly lower than the other engineering majors. For the two of you, um, what would be your way of just highlighting these programs and how central they are career wise? How how can it be beneficial to be in one of these two programs? Um, what's what's your, uh, your, your 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 promotion of these programs? Uh, when you think about mining and materials, you know, you think of mining, you think the miners, the hat, the coal, the coal mines, it is way more all encompassing than what we think, you know, mining or, or materials is the, the industry, such an incredibly diverse range of jobs, you know, from heavy machinery to data analytics and everything in between, you know. Um, there's opportunities to work in, in remote locations, in corporate offices, um, in labs. So there's, and this is at the internship or co-op level and even, you know, post-grad. Post so it's, the opportunities are kind of endless, I guess, to a degree. Uh, the jobs, whether it be internships or new grad, have really competitive salaries yes. as well. So that, I mean, it's, it's something to consider sometimes, right? Is, is, is that, it's a fact. Um, mining more and more is focusing on sustainability, right? So for some folks that, that might be really important um, and you can help, you know, make a contribution to, to kind of solving these challenges if, if mining is, is somewhere where you're, you're thinking of going. Um, AI, automation, all of this is, is becoming a part of mining materials. So it's, it's, it's way more broad than you might think it is. That's, that's, that's perfect. As a recruiter, I've taken all these notes to then echo at all our presentations as well. That's definitely a great way to, to talk about the two programs. Um, so I wanna thank you both again for participating and helping me and others uh, learn about all the opportunities through the ECC. 
I have two off-topic questions that I ask all my guests, um, and that is, what is your favorite thing about McGill? My team. I, my team, I love the students that I get to work with. I think for me, that's, that's the easiest. Sorry, I just jumped in there, but it's so true. Um, we are so lucky to get to wake up every morning and just kind of talk with people and, and help them and solve problems. You know, we don't have all the answers. Uh-uh. That's not what we're there for, but to, to brainstorm and, and strategize together. So the best thing about McGill is, is ECC and, and the students. Um, definitely, I think for me, what I love, what I enjoy the most is, to be quite honest, uh, just, you know, being part of the McGill community. Um, the affiliation to this this institution like i i see there's there's definitely that pride that pedigree that comes with it um and you see how it resonates not just from within the classroom but like like really like beyond you know um where our alumni are at where they're sitting the things that they're doing um ultimately in every conversation that i have with industry partners uh, with prospective students um you know there's always a positive and it's very easy to smile about things and to say yes you know like this is this is a an institution that has produced a lot of great minds and is doing a lot of great things and is a forerunner and uh it's it's definitely uh, a privilege to be associated with uh mcgill you know what else is really cool about mcgill is engineering has its own ice cream shop they have frostbite and students can go get a couple of scoops of ice cream after a tough exam how do you know that's not part of my pitch to prospective students, Lorraine? That's 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 number one on the list. <laughs> um, I'm sure it's made past the edits, but it is usually something we mention on our tour as well through the Welcome Center at McGill. So uh, it is something we mentioned. Um, Benjamin, you can come in first for this unless Lorraine beats you. But what's your favorite thing about Montreal? Food. <laughs> any any, any go-to restaurants that you want to plug? Uh, go-to restaurant, Gibby's. Oh my goodness. I, I'm a huge steak okay. fanatic and uh, that it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's an institution and uh, if you want good steak, you go to Gibby's. It's, it's fantastic. That is a special night indeed. Lorraine, any uh, recommendations for our foodies out there? Uh, if you can't afford Gibby's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think for new students new to Montreal, uh, go get a bagel, right? Uh, it's not a restaurant, but the, uh, we're always cooking fresh bagels, whether it be a city theater or elsewhere, you know, just go pick one up and a little pot of cream cheese and walk up to the mountain or maybe La Banquise for a poutine. Yeah. Yes, definitely. I have to have poutine being discussed. Yeah, I think I started half my week usually with the same Viatara bagel, so that makes sense. You go. I fit that stereotype. Um, all right, so now I've taken up too much of your time. Um, but I want to thank you both again, uh, Lorraine and Benjamin. This has been super enlightening for myself, and I'm hoping for all the students who will listen, for all those who are interested in engineering and an engineering career. So thank you both again. I appreciate the time that you've dedicated and uh, given us today. Thank you. Thanks so much. It was our pleasure. Thank you very much for having us.